0: Or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss, and if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hello, and welcome to the haunted estate.
2: Hello, my friends and fans and lovers of the podcast. It is me, your host, Selena Myers. That music that you hear underneath me will be the only track. It will be played on the intro of The Haunted Estate. I asked for everyone to go leave me a review on iTunes. I know that can be a little tricky. I managed to get one, um, and it wasn't that great. still got quite a few stars, but they mentioned that it's really hard to hear the podcast for the music in the back under some tracks. So because I'm not really good at changing those all myself I am going to just cut out the music I don't think that the podcast really needs it because it is speaking the entire time and if that's causing an issue especially because sometimes I'm a little closer and farther from the mic So I had a listener on Facebook. Yes, you can find us on Facebook if you just type in The Haunted Estate or if you go to www.theparanormalpodcast.com, you will find there a tab where you can click. It will take you directly to our Facebook page. And also don't forget, if you have a story, topic, idea, or anything in between, you can contact me by calling 1-877-260-3428. Yes, that is toll free. But Facebook member and friend of the podcast, Scott Lee, gave me a great idea we are going to talk about typhoid mary first i'm going to go into some of the history about her and then we'll go into the paranormal side call and tell us your story toll free at one 260 3428 or shoot us an email at selena at Mary Mallon, known as Typhoid Mary, seemed a healthy woman when health inspector knocked at her door in 1907, yet she was the cause of several typhoid outbreaks. Since Mary was the first healthy carrier of typhoid fever in the United States, she did not understand how someone not sick could spread the disease, so she tried to fight back. After a trial and then a short run from health officials, Typhoid Mary was recaptured, forced to live in relative seclusion upon North Brother Island off New York. Who was Mary Mallon, and how did she spread typhoid fever? An investigation. For the summer of 1906, New Yorker Charles Henry Warren wanted to take his family on vacation. They rented rented a summer home from George Thompson and his wife in Oyster Bay, Long Island. Also, for the summer, the Warrens hired Mary Mallon to be their cook. On August 27th, one of the Warren's daughters became ill with typhoid fever. Soon, Mrs. Warren and two maids became ill, followed by the gardener and another Warren daughter. In total, six of the 11 people in the house came down with typhoid. Since the common way typhoid spread was through water or food sources, the owners of the home feared that they would not be able to rent the property again without first discovering the source of the outbreak. The Thompsons first hired investigators to find the cause, but were unsuccessful. Then the Thompsons hired George Soper, a civil engineer with experience in typhoid fever outbreaks, when Soper, who believed the recently hired cook, Mary Mallon, was the cause. Mallon had left the Warrens approximately three weeks after the outbreak. Soper began to research her employment history for more clues. Mary Mallon was born September 23, 1869, in Cookstown, Ireland. According to what she told friends, Mallon immigrated to America around the age of 15. Like most Irish immigrant women, Mallon found a job as a domestic servant. Finding that she had a talent for cooking, Mallon became a cook, which paid better wages than most domestic service positions. Soper was able to trace Malin's employment history back to 1900. He found that typhoid outbreaks had followed Malin from job to job. From 1900 to 1907, Soper found that Malin had worked at seven jobs, in which 22 people had become ill, including one young girl who died. Soper was satisfied with this and much more, and that it was not a coincidence, yet he needed needed stool and blood samples from Malin to scientifically prove she was the carrier. Capture and isolation of typhoid Mary. In March 1907, Soper found Malin working as a cook in the home of Walter Bowen and his family. To get samples from Malin, he approached her at her place of work, having a strange man come up to you to accuse you especially when you seem healthy, of spreading disease and killing people, and ask for some of your blood and excrement, well, that doesn't make you a little skeptical, does it? I had my first talk with Mary in the kitchen of the house. I was diplomatic as possible, but I had to say I suspected her of making some people sick and that I wanted specimens of her urine, feces, and blood. It did not take Mary long to reject this suggest- this suggestion. She seized a carving fork and advanced in my direction. I paced rapidly down the long, narrow hall through the iron gate. And so, down to the sidewalk, I felt rather lucky to escape. This violent reaction from Malin did not stop Soper. Soper tracked Malin to her home. He tried to approach her again, but this time she brought an assistant for her support. Again, Malin became... Enraged, made clear that they were unwelcome, and shouted expletives, and made a hurried departure, realizing that it was going to take more than persuasiveness. He was able to offer Soper he he was able to offer Soper his research and hypothesis. Mallon now extremely suspicious of the health officials. I'm losing where I am, refused to listen to Baker. Baker returned to the aid with five police officers and an ambulance. Malin was prepared this time. Baker describes the scene. Mary was on the lookout and peered out a long kitchen fork in hand like a reaper. She lunged at me with the fork. I stepped back, recoiled on the policeman, and so confused... By the time he got in the door, Mary had disappeared. Disappeared, a matter of fact. She had completely vanished. Baker and the police searched the house. Eventually, footprints were spotted leading from the house to a chair placed next to the fence. The fence of the neighbor's property. They spent five hours searching both properties until they found a tiny scrap of blue calico caught in the doorway of a closet. Baker describes the emergence of Malin from the closet. She came out fighting and swearing, both of which she could do with appalling efficiency and vigor, I made another effort to talk to her sensibly, and asked her again to let me have the specimens, but it was of no use. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now
1: Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects, and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.
2: By that time, she was convinced that the law was prosecuting her when she had done nothing wrong. She knew that she had never had typhoid fever. She was maniacal to her integrity. There was nothing I could do but take her with us. The policeman lifted her into the ambulance, and I literally sat on her all the way to the hospital. It was like being in a cage with an angry lion. Malin was taken to the Willard Parker Hospital in New York. There, samples were taken and examined. Typhoid bacoli was found in her stool. The health department then transferred Malin to an isolated cottage, part of Riverside Hospital, on North Brother Island in the East River of the Bronx. Mary Malin was taken by force and against her will and was held without a trial. She had not broken any laws. So how could the government lock her up in isolation indefinitely? That's not easy to answer. The the health officials were basing their power on sections of 1169 and 1170 of the Greater New York Charter. Some people believe that Malin never had any intention of following the health officials' rules. Thus, they believe Malin had a malicious intent with her cooking. But not working as a cook... Mallon pushed into service uh, in other domestic positions, which did not pay as well. Feeling healthy, Malin did not really believe that she could spread typhoid. Though in the beginning, Malin tried to be a laundress as well. She worked at other jobs. For a reason, she had left, was not on any documents. Malin eventually went back to working as a cook. In January of 1915, nearly five years after Malin's release, the Sloan Maternity Hospital in Manhattan suffered a typhoid fever outbreak. 25 people became ill and two of them died. Soon, evidence pointed to a recently hired cook, Miss Brown. Miss Brown was really Mary Mellon, using a fake name. The public had shown Mary Mellon some sympathy during her first period of confinement because she was an unwitting typhoid carrier. All the sympathy disappeared after her recapture. This time, typhoid Mary knew of her healthy carrier status. Even she couldn't believe it thus willing and knowingly caused pain and death to victims. Using a fake name made people feel even more angry and as though she was guilty. Mallon was again sent to North Brother Island to live in the same isolated college cottage that she had inhibited during her last confinement. For 23 more years, Mary Mallon remained imprisoned on the island. The exact life she led on the island is unclear, but it's known that she helped people around the hospital gaining the title nurse in 1922, and then hospital helper Sometimes later. In 1925, Malin began to help in the hospital lab. In December 1932, Malin suffered a large stroke that left her paralyzed. She was then transferred from her cottage to a bed in the children's ward of the hospital on the island, where she stayed until her death six years later. On November 11, 1938. Typhoid Mary lives on. Since Mary Mallon's death, the name Typhoid Mary has grown into a term disassociated from the person. Anyone who has a contagious illness can be termed, sometimes jokingly, Typhoid Mary. If someone changes their jobs frequently, they're sometimes referred to as Typhoid Mary. But why does everyone know about Typhoid Mary? Though Mallon was the first carrier found, she's not the only healthy carrier of typhoid during that time. An estimated 3,000 cases of typhoid fever were reported in New York City alone. It was estimated there are about 3% of those who had typhoid fever become carriers, creating 90 to 135 new carriers a year. Malin was also not the most deadly. 47 illnesses and three deaths were attributed to Malin, while Toby Labella, another healthy carrier, caused 122 people to become ill and five deaths five deaths. That article and any other article went can be found underneath blogs at the com. You click there and that's where you will find the title of the episode and underneath that will be all the links used in each episode. So the hospital that typhoid Mary stayed at was the North Brother Island Hospital. It was called Riverside Hospital. And here is a little bit of a paranormal history into that and it does attach to typhoid mary there isn't too much about the haunting of typhoid mary but i'm going to dig and find some for you guys so the hospital lies on 13 acres just southwest of hunts point in the east river it is a remnant of a long forgotten area of new york's history the island has been abandoned since 1963 when the city closed down riverside hospital which was opened in 1886 to treat and isolate victims of contagious diseases. It gained its notoriety during the tenure of Mary Mallon and remains a mysterious place today, off limits to the public because it's the the nesting place of species of rare black-crowned herons. It is, without a question, a spooky place, and some people say a haunted one. Time seems to have bypassed North Brother Island's gas-light-lined streets, brownstone hospital buildings, crumbling doctor's houses, and sandy beaches littered with cookware and heavy glass tonic bottles. Tragedy first bloodied the island's history in June 1905, when the General Sulcum disaster took the lives of 1,141 people, most of them German immigrants from the Lower East Side, They were on their way to a Sunday picnic on Long Island when the overcrowded steamer was accidentally set ablaze. The ship ran aground the North Brother Island, and doctors and patients from the hospitals ran to try and save the hundreds of passengers who had jumped from the burning ship. Four hours after the tragedy, bodies continued to wash up on the island shore, and the beaches were strewn with victims. For decades after, island residents spoke of seeing the ghosts of these victims as they wandered the grounds, weeping for their lives and their loved ones lost in the disaster. Perhaps these spirits don't walk alone. Riverside Hospital was closed as a quarantine hospital in 1942. It was abandoned for for, for a short time before briefly being used as housing for World War II veterans who were studying at New York colleges. It was serviced by two ferries that regular, regularly stopped at the western slip, but this proved inefficient and expensive, and was cheaper housing was found for these men. The island was abandoned again. In 1952, it opened again, and at this time, Experimental Juvenile Drug Treatment Facility that was offered as an alternative, alternative to going to jail. The the tuberculosis pavilion of the hospital, which was built in 1942 and was never actually used to house tuberculosis patients, became a dormitory and then a main residence and treatment building for the program. The doors to many of the rooms were retrofitted into seclusion rooms with sheet metal reinforcement and heavy deadbolts that could be used for withdrawal management. The experimental plan would take a patient newly arrived, addicted to heroin, and place him in one of these rooms with no conveniences I guess, except for a bare mattress and a mess bucket. They would be forced to undergo withdrawal in the seclusion of the room without any kind of medicine. After several days, when the withdrawal was complete, the patient would be introduced to the general population. It was believed that this harsh return to reality, followed by a stay of no less than 90 days on the island and bolstered by athletics and education, would provide the best chance against relapse. The grand experiment was a failure. The lost souls of this era definitely left an incredible arc- mark on the island. But the most famous troubled spirit that lingers is that of Typhoid Mary herself. Mary was the first person quarantined on the island in 1907 after causing a number of outbreaks of typhoid fever. She was set free in 1910, but returned to the island five years later after an investigation into the outbreak of typhoid at a Manhattan hospital. It revealed that she was once again working as a cook under a a fake name. She was sent back to the cottage on this island, this time, for good. Mary never understood that she was a carrier of this deadly disease. Instead, she felt she was a victim.
0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot
2: At the hands of the officials who could neither prove that she was the source of these outbreaks nor explain to her why she felt so healthy and why she seemed free of any of the typical symptoms of typhoid. In 1938, she died on this island due to complications from a stroke that she had suffered six years earlier. Mary's cottage was demolished after her death. Officials felt it was unsafe for habitation, but she spent much of her time working and later dying at Riverside Hospital, where her ghost is believed to still walk. Over the years, visitors at the island, those that brave the river and warnings against trespassers, have reported the spirit of a woman who wanders the corridors of the crumbling hospital. She's been seen a number of times by a wide variety of people, including staff members at the hospital during the era when drug treatment and programs were in place. One account details an orderly who followed the woman down a corridor only to see her walk into one of the rooms. Thinking that she was one of the inmates and that she had gotten out of her room, the orderly hunted down the hall and entered the exam room only to find that nobody was there. Was this a woman of many tragic? Is this woman one of the many tragic spirits of North Brother Island, or could it have been the ghost of Mary Maldon, unable to rest after nearly three decades of punishment that she felt she never deserved? No one can be sure. Come visit us at theparanormalpodcast.com. Next up is a little story about somebody who has been to the island. I got their permission, so this will be a fun one. It was about 5 p.m. on a Friday evening when I made my way to the island. A couple friends and I were visiting, and we decided that for once we would follow our dreams and investigate something we had learned so much about in school. It was dark-ish when we got there, and we were hoping for the best. We set up camp directly outside, as we really didn't want to be that terrified by sleeping inside the hospital. We had heard many stories of the ghost people, ghost ships, and everything that surrounded this island. My friend, quite the skeptic. Me, quite terrified. About 11 o'clock rolled by, nothing had happened. We had definitely gone through the grounds, which were some very terrifying buildings. Dilapidated and dark and moist, you almost felt as if you went back in time. I wasn't quite sure what I was looking for, but what happened that night was definitely more than I expected. Around 12.30, I decided I had to pee. I decided I was going to lean against the hospital wall and just kind of get myself in a squat position. I was there for mom for maybe 30 seconds when I heard a sound. I looked up from my feet and saw a woman standing about 150 meters away from me. I stood up quick, yes, I peed on myself a little bit. I saw her pass away. To the side, very quickly, she had a long dress and dark hair up in a bun. At first, I thought, oh my God, someone would be here, but the clothes that she was wearing were not time appropriate. By the time I looked down and back up, she was gone. I heard another sound to my left. Somehow, she had made it about 200 meters out into an open area. And again, and within a second, she was gone. I told my friend, who was completely blown away, she wanted to find out for herself. We were walking the grounds down to where the cottage had been demolished, where Mary had lived. There. She was, far, far in the distance, standing. Quickly, as soon as she was there, she was gone again. A friend and I decided that we would go back into the hospital, walk those hallways with our flashlights and hope for the best. We made it down a hallway which we had been down before, there was condensation on the walls. we I need to tell you that we are some very adult people, no silly pranksters here, but in the condensation on the wall was the name Mary. This whole time I had just spent thinking, who is this? Who could this be? What could this be? I guess my answer came. That was a great little story, a very short one, but it definitely... Let you know that there are people out there who have experienced typhoid Mary. I couldn't imagine having to live a life like that, being a carrier and and never having it and never being sick. Like that's something, it doesn't sound like she had kids or anything like that, but to just have a life like that and know that you're never going to be allowed out, do you escape, what do you do? But for someone who lived that many years trapped on this island, it would be kind of hard to leave if that's something that you were always used to. And such a sad ending to think about being stranded living out on this island by yourself, knowing that you're carrying this, but being perfectly able-bodied, that has to be absolutely terrible. So this was our episode on Typhoid Mary. I hope that you enjoyed it. I would like to say that we do have that toll free number. You've heard it many times throughout the show. Please call. If not, if you would like to send in your story, you can send it to Selena, which is C E L I N A, at thehauntedestate.com. If there's any articles, stories, did you write a short story for school? Are you a trucker and says something cool on the road? I would love to hear about it. And seriously, like, this was a topic idea. I loved researching it. So, just send those in. Even if another podcast has done it, it doesn't really matter. Everybody gets free range on topics. If you have any podcasts that you think I would like to try out, send them in movies, books, you name it. Also, there is a donate button on thehauntedestate.com, which is the paranormalpodcast.com either or. You can click donate, as this is not free to put out. Um, did get a donation once. It was really nice, and it definitely helped. It paid for the phone line for a month. So that was fantastic. Thank you so much for coming back every day, and I hope that you are enjoying us. If you are, head over to iTunes or whatever platform that you are listening to us. Rate us, review us, comment on us. That is what gets us out. That and along with you sharing us with your family and friends Thank you so much, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Haunted Estate.
1: The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel.